Well, we know it's been wet and wild and crazy out there, but the sun's out today. It's going to rain again tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen next. I do know one thing. Rain or shine, sleet, snow, hail. If they've got power, there's one place in Chico that has shelter, food, water, beer, wine, and happy hour. That's the handlebar. Yeah, they're located at 2070 East 20th Street on the south end of town here in Chico. Uh, They've been longtime advertisers here on our show. We stand by them. I was there within the past week. We'll be there within the next week. It's a great beer selection. Yeah, like you said, they've got a beautiful indoor, beautiful outdoor situation. Regardless of what the weather's doing, you can count on great beers, uh, especially during their happy hour. Like you said, Johnny, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m., a dollar off any of those draft beers. Again, that's the Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street. Go check them out. Here's our show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a podcast. It's a radio show. It's a YouTube um, channel. Yeah, that's a ch- channel. Yeah, we have one of those. Yeah, um, it's a whole lot of things. It's a whole lot of fun. Most uh, most weeks. This week maybe not um, a fun week yeah. <laughs> because this week on the show we're covering the zone of interest uh, as far as films go. It's the latest from director Jonathan Glazer about a commandant in Auschwitz in the middle of World War II. And the film is just about as happy and fun as that makes it sound. So before we get into our thoughts on that movie, uh, we'll lighten things up with a beer. Johnny, what are we drinking this week? Well, I'm thinking I should have bought stronger beers. Yeah, we're just going yeah. low. Uh, instead, we are doing our featured brewery this week, which is Break Even Beer Makers. Mm-hmm. They're out of Amador City, California. The first one is called Jawbone. It is an agrestic beer or a rustic beer in the farmhouse style. It is 4.8%. And then beer number two is called Trunk Box Motherload Porter. It's a porter. You guessed it. Sure. And that's five and a half percent. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon on the radio version of our show today. You'll be hearing most of the episode, which will eventually include spoilers for the zone of interest. Um, If you haven't seen that film yet and you don't want it spoiled, I'd encourage you to come back and finish up our conversation in podcast form after seeing that movie. That version of the show includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's, uh, it's how we end the show each week, by catching up with each other, discussing everything from the latest movies to fun beers we've tried off the air. To find the episode in its entirety, just go search Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, any other podcast platform that you get podcasts from. We've released new episodes every Friday since 2016, which means since you're hearing this on a Saturday, it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. If you like the show, please take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and definitely let us know that you did that. Text us to brag or with feedback about the show at 530-433-0839. Again, that number is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on social media, just search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Okay, let's talk Patreon. It's the way that we keep our show running. We don't have too much by way of Patreon business we have to cover, so I'll just give you the spiel if you don't know it. Uh, you can join our little Patreon family for a couple bucks a month, and it helps us keep the show um, from tipping over at least fully when we don't want it to. Mm -hmm. Um, What we give you in exchange are things like invites to super exclusive events, bonus episodes, uh, uh, barbecues, bar hangs, and balls. um, Yep. uh, Sweet new (laughs) glittery stickers. Oh, yeah. I should have. I've got those right over there, actually. Um, You know can you can you tell me just a little bit more about Patreon real quick? Well, yeah. We do all kinds of stuff. Tell me a little spiel real quick. Give me me a Patreon spiel. 
Just give, you can say any details. Are you you go want. Get the yeah, I'm gonna show the sticker. Yeah, I'll be okay. right back. Go get the stickers. Uh, we do a lots of fun stuff, especially when the weather's nice. I really push to do big barbecues or bottle shares either at my house or Max's house. So it's just a good excuse for us all to get together, share some beers. We did our stout event, Stoutgasm 4, I believe it was. Um, yeah, 3 or 4. 3 point, or 4. Point L. I don't know why we had the point L. We never do like point five. Right. But yes. You're never going to have half a party. That's just life, man. Check this out. What do you think of that, John wow, Summers? Those are and cool. for people that aren't watching, um, describe it, would you? Oh, it's so shiny. It's almost illegible, <laughs> but in a cool way. <laughs> it's almost like you can't even tell what it is. Yep. But yeah, in a cool way. Yeah, it's like a, a pinwheel chrome version of the sticker that you've seen before with looks like some greens and oranges and reds and yellows and maybe a pink. And yeah, that is um, that is aggressive on the eyes. Well, did you ever collect Pokemon cards when you were a youth? Yeah. And you remember when you'd be like looking through your deck and you'd be hoping you'd find what? Um, like a, not, what was the word? It was like a. It's the word that describes this. It's like shimmery. It, it's like shimmery. Yeah. Glitter. No. Our number is 530-433-0839. Right. And if you know what word he can't think of, but that is what these things um, are, which is, uh, yeah, I guess really hard to see. Incandescent? No, but you're getting, um, you're getting farther. Actually. Yeah. Alphabetically, you're getting closer. Okay. Anyways, the point is that's Patreon. Um, you can join us and we'll give you cool stuff. Yeah. Um, hopefully by the time we release this episode, our March bar hang will have been announced. We are, um, perhaps foolishly pitching in for, um, I'm okay saying the number, a $75 beer Yep. that we and a couple other patrons are going to be sharing. And I think the rule is going to be for this bar hang, cause I've made it known that we're doing this in our Patreon group. If you pitch in, you can have some of the beer at the bar hang. If you don't pitch in, the ones of us that did will be enjoying that beer. And staring at you in the eyes. Is that fine? Can we do yeah. that? Okay. Sure. Um, that's Patreon in a nutshell. Do we have anything else about Patreon, John? I think we're there. Okay. Then please, if you would, reiterate beer number one as you fish it out um, and, and tell me more. Beer number one is Jawbone from the brewery that I just said, which is Break Even Beer Makers out of Amador City, California. Farmhouse Saison. It just says Agrestic. Right, it's uh, it's four point eight percent. Yeah, it's there's there's literally nothing online. Um, so maybe we can just show the can instead, and uh, for our, our visual people, that can be a nice touch point for more information. But you know, yeah, I'll just read the can. Oh, there's can info. Yeah. Okay, good. What mana might those calcified shadows retain? Jawbone is our take on a farmhouse beer made with one hundred percent California grown and malted <laughs> grains, and a rotating selection of regionally sourced hops, open fermented and cold conditioned, crafted and canned in Amador City, California. Okay, and it says bone Let, down. Let's break it open. I'm I'm excited for this. I we don't. I mean, I'm I'm excited and, and apprehensive. Of course, my it's not always my go to style. The farmhouse saison. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm excited at the prospect of a new brewery. I'm apprehensive. Thank you, dude. Um, at the prospect of another farmhouse saison. But here we go. Anyways, you've poured it in your glass. As I pour mine, would you describe what you're seeing, my dude? Yeah, very uh, hazy. I would say. Looking, you know, it looks very unfiltered. Super straw oh, yellow. Total unfiltered. Looks like a, a farmhouse ale. Hazy New England IPA that I'm gonna hate. Yeah, it smells like a farmhouse beer that I'm going to hate. So maybe we can put both of those aspects together, hate it together. Yeah. Or maybe they cancel each other out and it makes for a pretty good beer. Yeah. Um, either way, I noticed you had a little spillage there. No, it's just condensational. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, give it a taste. Um, and yeah, I want to know your initial thoughts. Good, bad, ugly, somewhere in between. Hmm. Oh, that's pleasant. I like it. It's bright. It's got, you know, that yeast profile that you're expecting, but it doesn't. Oh. Hit you over the top with the funk? Yes, it does. Ah. 
It's barely funky. Man, that's smooth. I think it's pretty clean drinking. That's well made. A little thin, almost watery. Uh, ABV again was? 4.8. 4.8. Yeah, I mean, it is a little thin. And, and you're right. It doesn't hit you over the head with the funk, but it hits you over the head with that yeast profile. Yeah. Which can be funky sometimes, but this is definitely more along the lines of um, like the kind of clove sort of banana thing that you get in in like keller vice yeah in like yeah. a keller vice maybe um or a wit beer that sort of thing um which some people really really dig um i had for the first time in a very long time the allagash white ale mm-hmm. very similar thing it's the it's whatever that is i really really don't love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's definitely more my style than yours and i think when they lean towards like the tart farmhouse is when you kind of start to be a little bit more on board well there's yeah there's there's more there's more to choose from in terms of things that one might enjoy or or dislike but at least you know you've got a few things it's like well even though i dislike this part there's also this this is pretty much um pretty much straightforward like it is clean but it's that's the prominent flavor for me yeah yeah it's really kind of a bare bones uh fair enough no that's good yeah a kind of a bare bones very simplistic style it's not that it's a simple beer to make but it's it's kind of like a lager man there's nothing to hide behind it is yeah here it is do do you're liking it yeah give me something you don't like would you fish for that if you need to hmm i mean it is a little thin like i feel like there's just not really enough body but in some ways that makes it like even more drinkable like you yep. know like a gulping you know what i'm saying like hot summer day this ice cold i would drink it yeah if you like the style it's it's great for that sort of thing and we're coming into i mean it's been really nice out this week so i'm forgetting we're in february so we're like not really coming into spring it but it feels like spring it does and i think we have like two more days of uh decent weather and it's probably raining again but it does feel like a beer yep. that is for this time of year for sure mm-hmm. um, if you like the style again not so much me um i'm gonna take one more drink then i'm gonna i'm gonna play the opposite game i'll give you something positive about it because most right. of my reviews have been negative thus far but that's fair um, i'll tell you a little bit about break even please from their website oh, that'd be great while you're doing that uh, they were founded in 2020 with an aim to bring regional and sustainable ingredients to the forefront of beer while opening a welcoming space for people to gather in California's smallest incorporated city. We believe that the beverage can nurture and heal the land while providing sustenance and a livelihood to a community. Uh, they also uh, boast that they use 95% of their malt being from California, from uh, Admiral Maltings, okay. which has come up here and there on the show. They are one of the probably the biggest uh, malt supplier on the West Coast. I didn't know that, so that's great to know. Yeah. Yeah, I've hung out with a couple of people from there at like beer, uh, what you call it, the big conferences, things like that, where people go and shop for ingredients and uh, new schmoozing, bright fermenters. Rubbing elbows. Yeah. Yeah. Bright tanks, not fermenters. Yeah. Anyways. Um, About the beer. It's... I don't always find this to be a problem in beers because some of the aftertaste in beers that I like, I'm like, oh, I I remember you fondly. But I think it's nice when a beer knows how to fully uh, disappear after the – like a very clean finish. Mm -hmm. And this has that. And I can say that confidently because um, there's none of the – of the the clovey thing that I dislike that hangs out too long after I'm finished sipping it. Mm. So I think that's nice. I think it's a testament to a well-made beer. It's well-balanced. It disappears. And then you can go back for more pretty easily and almost like you're tasting it again for the first time, yeah. which is a nice touch. Yeah, absolutely. I like it. I don't love it. It's not like blowing me away. It feels yeah. like a very solid offering in the style. Decent intro to a brewery. Um, yeah. I would definitely keep them on my radar after this because I do like this style and it's 
it's a classic style and it's it's well done. But yeah, it's not it's not gonna rate crazy high for me. But it's it's gonna be a solid score. Okay, let's get into it then. I'll give you mine first. I think mine's gonna be a little bit lower than yours probably. Um, and you know, I I don't like the styles. Like that's a really big caveat. Mm-hmm. So I'm still gonna give it like I don't know like. I feel like it's still a, a solid three for me, maybe Whoa. maybe a four. Like I can't tell if that's high or low. Your reaction is like <laughs> slow. I know it's low because I don't like it. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say it's a three. Uh, I know. Okay, I, it's good. It's good for what it is. I don't like what it is. Sorry. Okay, but it's a three for me. That's fair. Where are you at on this? <laughs> uh, definitely not that low. Yeah, it's it's super approachable. It's a really good representation of the style. There's, you know, bones and you know nitty gritty. There's nothing wrong with it. Like it is, it's super solid, um, and it's something I would drink frequently in the the hot weather. So, for me, it's like a like a seven one. That's a totally good score, man. Yeah. You said you got this at SNS here mm-hmm. in town. Uh, I am I I didn't do didn't do my research, but I imagine it's gotten distribution at other stores in our area. So if you want to try it, you can. Um, yeah. I'm guessing it's fairly affordable, fairly yeah. fairly local. It's got a cool can. Yeah. It does have a cool can, which kind of has a depressing tie into a scene from our movie this week in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, a scene in a river, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute, which is all to say, once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Uh, if you've tried anything from Breakeven, Beer Makers, and you uh, you couldn't agree or disagree more with our valuations, by all means, get in touch. We'd love to hear you out. You can leave a voicemail or send a text. Again, our number is 530-433-0839. Uh, again, 530 530- Four three three zero eight three nine, and if you have a second, help us out. Leave us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts, please. Uh, yes, definitely do that. It only takes a couple seconds, and it's one of the most effective ways uh, to get our show in front of new potential listeners. That's probably how you found out. Maybe who knows? I hope so. Yeah, me too. Uh, incoming is a trailer. Are we doing a trailer this week? I'm so glad you always remember this. Um, is there enough of it in English? Incoming is part of the score from the movie The Zone of Interest, which we won't be spoiling just yet. So don't go anywhere. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some solid gold that is available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you'd like to hear the whole episode, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found. It is currently available for your your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, uh, if you're just dying to know what we talk about this week and hot and bothered, go, just go listen. All right. So the zone of interest follows the home life of a commandant of Auschwitz who, with his wife, has been blissfully raising his children a literal stone's throw from the infamous concentration camp. Um, this isn't a film that takes place at the end of the war where like the audience is like waiting for the allies to come in and like rescue the people in camps. It takes place at a time when the camp's leadership's most pressing issues kind of involve like how to best utilize funds to maximize the engineering potential of new incineration chambers to like keep up with the demand of incinerating. Um, it's a film that, for better or for worse, isn't concerned with preaching about the evils of the Holocaust as much as it is being kind of an uncaring passive observer that sort of relegates its audience to an equally powerless position, I think. 
Uh, it's filled with unusual sound design, several sequences that depart um, from the rest of the film's visual aesthetics, I think is a safe way to put that. Mm-hmm. Um, and a film that, despite the brilliant craft at work, left me feeling incredibly hollow. As Brass Tax goes, the film is loosely based on a 2014 book of the same name by Martin Amis. It was adapted for the screen by writer-director Jonathan Glazer, whose last directed um, film was called Under the Skin back in 2013. Have you seen Under the Skin? No, it's on my list, though. Um, it's like an artsy sci-fi movie starring Scarlett Johansson as an alien uh, who like abducts and either like murders or has sex with men, possibly like in an effort to like understand mankind or find herself, or um, maybe it's like a commentary on on racial identity. The point is, Glazer hasn't exactly been obsessed with making like. Uh, what I would call summer blockbuster, like feel good family fodder. Mm-hmm. Um, and in many cases has made films that are like fairly abstract, even for serious film critics, um, much less mainstream audiences and found it in his words, genuinely bewildering when his film, the zone of interest took three awards at the BAFTAs about a week ago. Uh, it's also been nominated for five Academy awards here in the States. Amongst those nominations are best picture, best international feature film, best director, best adapted screenplay and best sound. It had a small theatrical run in December of 2023 after its premiere at uh, last May where it took uh, the Grand Prix Award at Cannes. Um, on the back of its more recent award buzz, the film gained another theatrical run as well as rentability on video on demand most platforms. We saw it at our local art house theater Friday night. Shout out to the pageant um, here in Chico. Johnny, what did you think of The Zone of Interest? Ah, that's such a complicated question. I know. I almost, I almost tried to ask a different question to start it off, but I, you yeah. know, you could take it any direction you want, I guess. Yeah. I mean, so much of how you feel and react to this movie, it depends on kind of what lens you look at it through and how much you try and, you know, dissect what the filmmaker is trying to say mm-hmm. with the choices he made. It's very artistic and at times very abstract. Like, Probably five or six times in this movie, I thought to myself, okay, that's that's a real choice. Like, wow, we're making some serious choices filmmaking-wise. Um, you know, and we've had a couple days to sit on this, which I think was the move. I think it for, Absolutely for it was. a movie yeah, yeah, like this, sure. if we would have had recorded a podcast right after seeing it, it would be definitely different. So I it was hard to not take in the metaphor that this was just displaying how mundane life uh, amongst like the biggest atrocities in the world, uh, how it just became going to work. It's normal. Normal, you know, and at times it felt like the filmmaker wanted us to have empathy for the main characters. Did you feel that way? I I did feel that way. You know, Uh they go through some family issues and some, you know, some relocation stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they have – there's a scene with, with the husband and wife where they have almost like a, you know, a marital spat. And the whole time I'm just thinking I don't feel bad. Like I don't know if he wants me to feel bad. Uh, yeah. You know? I, but you didn't. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was just this real fly on the wall sort of look, but also done with such artistic flair at times, you know, at times the the artistic nature of this film was very hand heavy handed, and at times it was non existent. So it it went from being like art house cinema to almost documentary style at times. It was yeah stylistically yeah. very like all back and forth between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I the point was to just 
for me, my takeaway, the point I feel of the film. Oh, I feel, yeah, yeah, was to, you know, maybe caution against how crazy outlandish evil things can happen and become so commonplace we accept them as normal. And to like maybe not do that, you know? Yeah, maybe be, don't don't let that happen. <laughs> maybe don't let that yeah. happen. Maybe, you know, because like it was tough to swallow watching a movie about a guy that just really wants to get a promotion yeah. at Auschwitz. Right, right. Can and you that, imagine? Just I mean, again, it's like it's like the job. Like, yeah, <sighs> yeah. So, and um, I will quote Steven Spielberg. Um, he said it was basically the best movie about this subject matter since mine. Which, right, which is Schindler's List. Schindler's is, List. Yeah. Um, and a phrase that he used that I kind of did some digging into was it was an amazing showcase on the banality of evil, mm. which is mm-hmm. essentially just it becoming so commonplace yeah. that it's just it is what it unremarkable. Is. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it was incredibly thought-provoking, um, not uplifting, not particularly – I mean – Entertaining. It feels weird to say that a movie like this was entertaining. But I feel like you're about to say it wasn't. I yeah, it it had its moments. Okay. You sure. know, I wouldn't say that it was a hundred percent entertaining. I would say it was great. Mm-hmm. It was important and it brings up very relevant conversations in the world today and you know also sheds a light on the other side of history and how uh just part of life and like just the commonplace yeah. nature of it. So it was super thought provoking. Um, it was a tough watch. It didn't like very hollow. Um, it feels odd to say that I liked it or I didn't, no, you know, it's, it's yeah, like, I mean, a, pieces of art like this are like, they are, yeah. you know? Yeah. At the same time, from a film critic perspective, you are still analyzing the, how the movie's made, yeah. you know, like the, the, the acting and, and the set yeah. design and all that. Um, but yeah, from an emotional perspective, yeah, it's tough to be like, fun, a good movie. Like, yeah. it, it's not that. No, but it took me a couple of days sitting with the ideas and the thoughts that it provoked and kind of really just chewing on what the movie was trying to say before I actually started to kind of appreciate it. Yeah. Because first gut reaction, it was boring. It was long. There was a lot of scenes of just silence and it was, it was all intentional, but in that moment, like first scene in the movie after the credits, right? Okay, yeah. And it just says zone of interest. We got a black screen for what felt like five minutes. Was it black or was it red? It was, I couldn't tell if it was the light from the projector. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I'm thinking of another sequence. Um, It was just blank though, you know, for whatever reason. It wasn't. And it had this, the score, but slowed to like one quarter mm-hmm. speed. And it was maybe, it felt like five or 10 minutes. It was probably like six I think it was no. You mean what this was? There was nothing. Yeah, it was probably like two. It felt like six minutes. Yeah, it was just it. It really set the tone of the pacing of this movie, uh, and it was to the point where I was kind of looking around, like, did they like bump the projector and is this playing in right. like quarter speed or something? What's going and we're on? We're all just sitting in the pageant, like this is an artsy film. Yeah. yeah, I thought that too for a second. Yeah. Um. Okay. Give me an out of ten on the zone of interest, Johnny Summers. Hmm. That's a weird, tough question. You knew it was coming. No, I know. Just as a film, it wasn't particularly enjoyable. I liked what it had to say, um, but it was in a package that was definitely not like the most entertaining. Um, Yeah. Yeah. As a a film, it was like a, I don't know, I feel like a seven, three. It feels like you're saying 
as a film for me. Right. Like you're saying, but you're saying, like, like in my opinion, that's you're saying not even in your opinion, a film uh, for a film that sh- that could be tailored to you if you're judging only for your enjoyment is like mm-hmm. how it feels like you're prepping this. Right. Is that what you're saying? Or are you saying Maybe. as a film objectively? I mean, as a film objectively, it was probably in the mid eights. So, so what are you rating it as? I guess my feelings are getting involved. Okay. Yeah. So what did you go with? Seven we'll point? go with a seven, nine, seven, just nine. meet in the middle. Okay. Cause this All one's right, hard. Cause it's hard to separate the two with this one. I mean, yeah, I, like I, I, I think it's incredible. I think it's a really, really well-made film. There's a lot of layers here. I think a lot of the stuff you're touching on is what the movie's about. And I will make a case for some of the more specific ways that it's making those points. Um, I read a really fantastic review of this movie um, from uh, Robert Daniels, who was writing for Roger Ebert, um, who sort of highlights the role of sanitation in this uh, this movie. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I will just say, so we don't dwindle on too long for our radio listeners as we are going to get into spoilers here. Um, it's a nine for me. Okay. Like super, super solid. Um, again, like not enjoyable, but a really great movie. Um, I think there are some artistic choices that even after marinating, like I don't fully understand. Yeah. Um, particularly some of the visual stuff that happens. Um, can we talk a little bit more about that intro? Um, or like the opening sequence and, and, and cause it was nothing going on, but could, could you tell me what you remember sonically going on there? It was like a, like, I'm not a symphony, a like a, I guess it's, a group of singers, like a chorus almost. Sure, okay. Slowed to like three-quarter speed to create this like ominous horror movie intro vibe almost. Definitely. It's very warm. Yeah. Yes, it totally and, was. You know, and then, you know, three-quarters of the way through that experience, you started having sounds of nature come in and birds chirping, and then they kind of meld together, and then the, the, the singing orchestral stuff fades out, and then you just have nature, like you're sitting by yeah. a river. And then pan, like not pan, it was just like a hard cut to like a big, tall shot. What would you call it? That was like a crane shot. I yeah. Say. I don't even know. I can't picture the shot you're talking of, about. Of um, just like looking down at the family oh, by yeah. the river. Yeah, okay. In yeah. their 1940s Nazi swimwear. Yeah, right. Not very stylish for a no. number of reasons. Not a good look. No. Um, yeah, like I, for me, that opening, the, right after the title hits, yeah, we sit for whatever amount of minutes it is. Um, and it just really sets the tone for, for me, like I was paying special attention to the audio in this movie, like the sonic landscape, because we don't ever like, it's, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that we never like go into Auschwitz. Like we don't see the people being forced into the chambers, which is kind of like, like Holocaust movie making one Oh one for like trauma portrayal on screen. Mm -hmm. We don't get any of that. Yeah. I don't think we see, one single Jewish person who is in Auschwitz who is going to be executed throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. It's a lot like uh, Dunkirk in that way. Like, you don't see this whole other side. In, in that case, in Dunkirk, it's like you know the bad guys or whatever. But mm-hmm. you do get horrible sounds from the concentration camp just while they're in their backyard. Yes. Yeah. And like that's the cognitive, and it's not even cognitive dissonance because they are like aware and on board with the mass executions. So that's not totally right. There is a character who comes in who ends up not being quite so chill with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like they spent a lot of time like building a huge evocative sonic landscape. And a lot of that is sounds, um, yeah, from the concentration camp. Some of it's nature sounds. Some of it's 
the score itself, like really unusual stuff that really made my ears perk up, mm-hmm. uh, which I very much appreciated. I understand why it's up for best sound. I think it won a sound award at the BAFTAs as well, but I can't remember. It's won a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, but a really interesting take on on a way to portray the atrocity we're all used to kind of seeing in film as more of a visual touchstone and mm-hmm. making it fully uh, audiological. Yeah. Do you think that put it in the background intentionally, like literally and, you know, figuratively, like you never saw it. It was just in the background of what's on the screen because it is on the other side of that wall and also it's in the background of what's happening sonically. I mean, yeah, I, I think in a lot of cases it's in the foreground of what's happening sonically, mm-hmm. at least for the audience. And I'm, I'm not sure if that was enhanced um, for from the narrative perspective of us hearing what those people are now dull to. Mm. Um, but yeah, none, none of it's an accident here, so so for sure. Um, I do want to start talking about um, this idea of sanitization and cleaning and like uh, how that relates to everything. But I think if you're okay with it, we save that for the danger zone. Okay. Does that work for you? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, let's see. Do we have anything proper to read for our radio listeners? We totally do. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Again, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have thoughts on anything we've discussed on the show today so far, please do get in touch. Our phone number is 530-433-0839, or you can send a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll be discussing the zone of interest with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider this your second-to-last warning. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with the danger zone, baby. Too much hype for what we're talking about. This is a weird, weird week to have the danger zone. We'll be danger right zone. back with the danger zone. Don't beep, beep, beep. go anywhere. Yeah. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. All right. Welcome to the danger zone. Of interest. Welcome to the danger zone of interest. Um, great. Here we go. We are spoiling the zone of interest. If you haven't seen it yet, that's your last warning. Um, go see it. You can rent it on video on demand. If you, I don't, I think by the time this releases, it's no longer at the pageant. So yeah, rent it mm-hmm. here. Cause here we go. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about cleaning. Let's talk about, let's talk about how there is so much effort paid in this family's household who, by the way, um, have sort of Jewish house cleaners, maids, like, yeah. um, uh, delivery people. Yeah. And like, it's no secret because the, 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 the mom, the wife, um, Sarah Huller, by the way, who was in, um, anatomy of a fall ba- at one point literally says to one of her maids, like I could, I could, what did she say? Like I could make your, I could make my husband spread your ashes, something like just that. Just a, just a, ugh. yeah. Yeah. Um, but their house is immaculate, lovely home, mm-hmm. um, but kind of kept tidy by Jewish people. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of an understatement. It was this immaculate property with this crazy garden and like it was just expansive and immaculate and tidy and, you know, yeah. I just think it's too easy of a metaphor to not connect it that like we're talking about the cleaning of a house, cleansing, if you will. This mm-hmm. is a cleansing of a people. Yeah. There's there's like arguments of 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 the parallels between you know like we're wiping floors and these Nazis are doing all this but like the amount of people today who just deny that the the Holocaust has happened there's like a literal wiping away of history that some people seem to be interested in for some reason mm-hmm. um, and I think the movie is very interested in that as well and there's a point in the movie where we cut away from the narrative chronology of what's going on and we cut to 
modern-day Auschwitz. That was surprising. Totally surprising. And what we get is um, sort of an inversion of what sanitation has been. It's no longer erasing history. It's kind of preserving it, mm-hmm. which is a really nice counterpoint because we're if, if you've – I don't – I've never been to Auschwitz, but I've been to a Holocaust museum somewhere. I don't remember where this was when I was a kid. And they had a similar thing where like you walk through these halls, you can go into the gas chambers, um, which now I don't think I would even do. If I went there, I'd be like, I don't, I'm not going in there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have like all these shoes and, you know, um, luggage and like all this stuff from people who, who were killed. And that's what happens in the movie. We get cut to modern day and all these people are like maintaining what is now the museum essentially, mm-hmm. which I thought was a really nice way of, of inverting the theme of cleansing. I just really like that. I want to talk about it. No, I like that too. Yeah. That's uh, a very good observation. Shout out to Paul. Paul Watts was the editor of this movie. That was a very particular creative choice that I think worked really well. I agree. What did you make of, of our main commandant fella getting sick in the stairwell? I don't, it felt like maybe guilt finally catching up. You think so? Because I don't know. I don't really know either. That feels too easy. Because he had been to the doctor a couple times and we had seen him or we've saw him at the doctor once and we saw him cough up black, you know, what we can only assume is like soot soot and ash. Oh, oh, yeah. That's more, it makes more Um, sense. So he's exposed to a lot of, you know, burning I mean, you yeah, know, like, like you're living right there. Like, yeah, there's some horrible scenes, like in the river mm-hmm. when he's like fishing, and he like notices ashes. He finds somebody's jawbone, which is what I was hinting at, mm-hmm. and like they scrub off their kids. More cleansing, by the way. Yeah. Can't have like Jewish ashes on you. Like anybody's ashes would be gross. I get yeah. that, but I think it's intentional here. Yeah, the kid counting teeth, golden teeth in bed. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. And every scene where they you know, lit up the you know, the, the incinerator and there was this giant silo, you know, billowing black, like just smoke. constantly in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the oven's on. We have to shut the windows in the house. It just, the normalcy that they all did that with where it's just, Oh, we have to shut the windows. You know, it was just, it was so shocking. Yeah. It's extra shocking because they, it's, it's they're fine with it. Like the mm-hmm. first time we talk about this incinerator, like this new, they get so excited because he gets approved for like the new state of the art incinerator. Yeah. And like, it's like five or six dudes or maybe four, like sitting around a table, sort of like literally on paper, like, okay, so like you have the chamber and then what happens is it's constantly going around. So you can burn these people and then you load more in and then you sweep out their ashes and it's constantly reheating. Everybody's like, amazing technology. Mm-hmm. They're just jazzed on the gear. Yeah. And it's like not a huge deal, which yeah. is the point, but like, my Lord. Yeah. No, it just made me feel icky, you know? Like it almost makes me feel gross just talking about it. It's not great. Yeah. I'll agree. So let me change the topic um, and go to what you had mentioned, which is like empathy for the main characters. Yeah. I'm going to argue for sure Jonathan Glazer is not intending for us to empathize with him. Um, At no point did I think anybody that watches this probably empathize with them. But it brings up a pretty interesting uh, case for movies like this. There's, There's a movie on the opposite end of the tonal spectrum about a similar topic would be like um, Inglorious Bastards, mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino. There's a great scene in that movie where it's towards the beginning and we're just kind of meeting all the main characters. And there's this guy named Donnie something. They call him the Bear Jew. He carries a bat. He beats the life out of Nazis with his baseball bat. 
And there's a scene where he comes out of a tunnel, he's knocking, you hear it. And there's this one commandant um, who is on his knees, his, his group's been defeated and he's sitting there and it's a sequence that you kind of, and this is Quentin Tar Tarantino's own words about a scene. Like he doesn't want to push morality necessarily, but he doesn't necessarily let you revel in that execution. Mm -hmm. Like once that first baseball bat hit lands, the music kind of cuts out and you're left with just a really wide sort of observational shot of this guy getting beat to death. Mm -hmm. And even in the face of his execution, he's like, because like I think the dude's like he's like using his baseball bat on his sorry dude mm -hmm. <laughs> on his uh, badge like what'd you get this for killing Jews or something and he guys like for bravery for his country which is what he thinks like he thinks he did it whatever yeah and like you get it like you're like ugh, it's like it's not all fun that we're still murdering this dude um, and I think that's a sequence that does attempt despite what Tarantino said like I think that's meant to elicit some empathy for that guy a little bit and I kind of get it like in that in that moment I get it like you can't you can almost not help but like. I don't know. It's a little, it's a tricky scene in that movie. I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. I saw that interview. It was fascinating hearing him talk about that. I know. Cause he's a pretty, I mean, like I think people are kind of, uh, you know, attuned to his brand now, but like, he's a pretty edgy, like a lot of things that people, like a lot of his movies even are like, I don't know. Like, yeah, some of this doesn't, I don't know if I, I'm okay with this. Like ethically, um, even from a fun entertainment perspective, like I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I've been dealing with Tarantino now for like 10 ish movies. So yep. I don't know. Do you like to, you like Tarantino? Yeah. Yeah. I movies. like his earlier work more than his newer stuff. Uh, top two go. Uh, probably reservoir dogs. And I mean, Pulp Fiction's the easy answer, but I really liked once upon a time in Hollywood. Did you really? Yeah. I don't remember you loving that movie. I think we covered it on the show. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Right. It's up there, but yeah. Yeah. Um, what else do you want to get into in terms of uh, spoiler talk here if we want to do anything else? I mean, there wasn't, there's not a whole ton to to spoil, really. No, not with that being the goal, but there yeah. may be things we want to talk about that involve spoiling it. Is there anything, I guess that's the way to phrase it. Is there anything else you want to talk about with this movie? Hmm. Uh, yeah, the scene where they, in the big boardroom, when he's mm -hmm. there and they're like listing all the people that are going to attend that scene hit um, me so hard because I didn't know there was that many concentration camps. Like they listed off oh, like 20 or 30 yeah. names and each one of those people ran a concentration camp. Oh, I see. And that was like super heavy for me. Well, yeah. Cause I you mean, know, I you always hear about like the, 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 the big names, right? Sure. But then they, yeah, there was 20 or 30 names and that overhead shot, the kind of fisheye with it distorted on the top and bottom was such a great shot of that. I, Once they were all in the room, that, it was just yeah. looking straight down oh, at the, yes, yes, the yes. table. Great shot. Great shot because there was more people that ran concentration camps than that would fit in this giant boardroom. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and that, that gave real scope. Scope. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know there was that many. It's a lot of them. It's a lot of yeah. them. And then that was, that was a very jarring scene for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would like to tell you why the movie is called what it's called. I don't know if you know this. No, actually, that's a good... It's a movie that doesn't waste any time telling you. Like, again, it's not a movie. It's like, it's not like trying to preach at you necessarily. It's just like, here is what happened. You can watch this for... Mm -hmm. I, don't even, I didn't say how long it is. Do you know how long it is? I think it was hour an hour and 46. 49? Okay. Um, the zone of interest refers to Auschwitz. And I want to say like the 40 kilometers in diameter around it. Mm. 
And there's a German word for it, which basically does mean zone of interest, interest, interest zone or something like that, um, which I'm sure is a beautiful word in German. I'm sure it's very gorgeous mm. as the language is known to be. Yeah. Um, but basically, it, if I understand it right, and I read one article, so you can basically consider me an expert. Um, they didn't want to be saying like concentration camp and, and they didn't want to like have everybody – know what was happening. It was also stationed in an area that the surrounding, the people surrounding the concentration camp were very Polish and very much pro-Jewish. So anytime a Jew could get out, they would like help them escape. So what ended up happening is like, you have like Auschwitz in the middle. And then over the course of a few years, they essentially like eradicated anybody out, they either chased them out or killed them or burned their houses down. And it was this big sort of expansion. And that entire area was referred to as the zone of interest because mm. it's not something necessarily interests you when you hear that yeah it's like okay sure but yeah that's it was that whole area that incorporated auschwitz and however far around it so the polish population surrounding auschwitz that would help um escapees Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what the the girl with the apples is supposed to represent i'm imagining because there was that thermal cam that the one of the most wild artistic choices of the movie Uh, yeah i still hadn't made heads or tails of that yeah maybe that because she was hiding apples in like the hillside like in the mud like maybe as like a, a pathway kind of and, i mean yeah then there was and there's the, clear, the hansel the and gretel, hansel gretel thing of course which is like i know like i didn't i didn't even think it was like i thought it was just a rant i thought it was a ghost mm. for i was like i don't think this is a real person this is such an odd choice to yeah the thermal cam is a nice way to describe it um just like i guess that's but it makes more sense because it clearly she was but why apples maybe that's all she had i don't know uh, I don't like breadcrumbs in the Hansel and Gretel story because it's bread. Like, yeah. But apples are like, how many apples can you even carry at once? She you was know? carrying a lot. Enough to like lead somebody out or at least to nourish them after they've been starved. That's true. I'd rather get an apple and a breadcrumb. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's what that was. I would like to be corrected if that's not the case. I would love to know what everybody else I mean, thought because. Yeah. It has to be like just a little bit of fuel so you can keep going on the journey. It's buried in mud. I get, look. Again. I'm getting a little glib here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure it's good. But, you know. Uh, we're comparing apples to apples here. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Profound movie. Yeah. Deeply impactful. Definitely watch it. Um, definitely watch it. Yeah. I think that's, that's correct. Um, we recently did our top 10 films of the year. You and I did, mm-hmm. uh, we hadn't seen this movie. This sounds like it wouldn't have made your list. I don't think so. It's such a personal preferential list. It wouldn't have made mine either. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the best movies of the year. Yeah, I think I would agree uh, with. That. Still, would not make my favorite movies because yeah. a lot of that's enjoyment. Yeah, we make that list for for, for us for joy, and then we make these T-shirts for joy for joy. Yes, which I've started designing by the way for twenty twenty three movies. Nice. You're gonna be stoked. Shall we put this to bed? We should. Okay, we got another beer coming up. Don't go anywhere. All right, back with beer number two, uh, Johnny. Yo. What's, what's the gist, my man? Beer number two from Break Even Beer Makers is Trunkbox Motherload Porter. And so, my friends, allow me to offer you a truth. The Trunkbox... I thought that was you off the cuff. I was like, you should you should do beers like that. And so, <laughs> my friends, we begin... Allow me to offer you a truth. The Trunkbox of history contains only our proclivities. This beer is made with British and California grains and selected hops from Oregon. It's 5.5%. Percents. Percent. How many of them? Great. 5.5%. Great. Oh, it's plural. You know? Yeah. It works. I knew what you meant. Yeah. 
Uh, Love this can. It's a great can. And while you taste the beer for the first time and we drip water on my computer, I'll tell you <laughs> what it is. It's a, it's a, for, yeah, and I guess I'll show it on camera if I can get that to show for people on YouTube. Um, it's a log cabin in the dead of winter. And this can is mostly black and white. There are, I'm going to say five men. Oh, there's a woman also. She's off to the side. Oh, and there's two other guys climbing up a giant fallen tree, the rings of which are exposed and lined with gold. I don't assume that's literal gold, but it makes for a nice can design. They're up in the uh, up in the left highest corner. There's a BE in gold, which stands, of course, for break even. And it's the biggest tree I've ever seen in my life. Can you imagine? And it it almost feels like Redwood Sequoia territory, but mm -hmm. it's even too big for that. It's like giant. Like you see the people. Yeah. How tall would you say that, or wide do would you say that tree would be? Would have been. I mean, if that dude's say he's six foot. Yeah. Sure. That's a sixty foot tree. I mean, that tree's a billion years old. Yeah. With all those rings. So many rings. So I will say um, to break even, uh, fact check. I don't think that's accurate. So <laughs> with that said, let's get into uh, to this beer. Um, what do you think of it, dude? I absolutely hate it. Obviously, say more. It's just so astringent. Uh, you're going to hate it. It has all of the campfire. You know that I'm stubborn enough to like take smoking. that and want to like fight it and be like, no, I'm gonna love it. Just now. love me and know that I know you and just try it. But all right. man, it has all the campfire something. Yeah, just that acrid kind of just not good. Just it smells fantastic. It smells delicious and decadent and chocolatey and roasty and, and fantastic. It reminds, smells really good. It reminds me of diner coffee at an all you can like an all night diner. Like they made it at 7 p.m. and you walk in at like 9 a.m. the next day and it's the same pot of coffee. It's not great. Mm -mm. I don't hate it. No way. I don't think I hate it. Come uh, on. You no, hate smoky, gross beers yeah, like this. Yeah, but I like sweetness and there's some sweetness there that I get. Um, I don't know where you're getting that. I'm getting it from the beer, my man. It's not a, much. Well, I don't know. But again, like you kind of you kind of conditioned me to like expect it would be awful, and mm -hmm. it's not awful. Like I like it more than the first beer, but again, stylistically, I prefer this to that. Yeah. So even if this was a bad made porter, it's better than a good made farmhouse saison. Yeah, it's just too bitter. It's so bitter. You ever think maybe you're too bitter? Have you considered that? No. You curmudgeon. No. Maybe you're too bitter. <laughs> I've never considered that once in my life. <laughs> not on air. No. Uh, yeah, it's just got too much of that bitter acrid. Just it's 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 yeah it's got a little pinch curls my toes a mm -hmm. little man mm -hmm. it's just so not no too much of that it is absolutely too much of that uh, there's a little sweetness on the second drink it's much more astringent mm -hmm. it's a it's certainly a bitter yeah it's like it got it's got sort of an instant coffee kind of thing going where mm -hmm. if you had to drink the coffee but you were lactose intolerant you'd still add milk because it's really, really and you can you are so you, yeah maybe you would it's worth it <laughs> just to cover up the flavor it's a lot i mean it's a lot <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you're, you're um, making some weird noises my, over uh, there Minardi. Yeah, my body spoke for me um i don't know it's got nice carbonation it's got a good body to it it feels like it's 5.5 um it's like it's in some ways, decent. In other ways, it's um, it's fallen a little short for me. Yeah. I wish that I knew, and I hope you didn't say it when you read about the brewery, how old this brewery is. 2020. You did say that? Okay. That's a that's a, that's a a four-year-old brewery, depending on when in 2020 they emerged. Mm -hmm. I bet you right at the beginning. 
because nobody was starting a new brewery in 2020 in June. Right. So I will say that I would like to explore more from this brewery in the future, maybe a year from now. Yeah. Which is kind of the wide berth we give breweries on our show anyways. We'll revisit them in a year, see what's different. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they drastically change things for the worse. Like I think we can really only go up kind of. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, again, like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's okay. It's okay. If you really like a given style, then maybe you dig the first one. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see more stuff. Yeah. In the future. I think that's kind of my, my, my punctuation at the end of my sentence Yep. for this. We'll, we'll sprinkle a little sugar on them because this is not it. Yeah. 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 Uh, you want to go out of 10? Oof. It's like a 2.1. It's a pretty low score, man. 2.1 yeah. for you. I'll jot that down real quick. Yeah. Um, you? I don't know. About a three for me. Yeah. It's, you know, it's okay. I'm going to drink. I got this. I'll drink this. This is yeah. fine. I'm going to enjoy this. All right. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. Do you have any more thoughts on Trunk Box, Motherload, Porter? Ah, no, not a fan. Uh, like the first one, like the Jawbone. Uh, looking forward to seeing what else they have in, in their repertoire. Well, that's a, that's a freaking quick beer review. I guess we're there. Yeah. I guess time for Hot and Bothered. Do you want to you tell radio listeners anything? I guess I can read one more thing before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, again, I just say this. I feel like we say it a lot, um, but it's the radio, so you never know when people are tuning in. And if you're just tuning in, welcome. And once again, or perhaps if you just tuned in, if you're hearing this for the first time, this was Fresh Hop Cinema. Um, if you have feedback on anything we've discussed today or if you're just tuning in and you wanted to hear our show and you're bummed that you missed it, call us, text us, 530-433-0839. Again, that number, slower, is 530-433-0839. If that doesn't work for you, send us a good old-fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. Johnny, what's on the docket film-wise next week? Uh, next week, we're covering Dune 2, Bigger and with More Sand. I believe is what it's actually <laughs> called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fast and Furious presents. Bigger with more yeah. sand. Uh, yeah. So I'm stoked to watch that. The second film in the series from be great. Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Super excited. As a reminder to our radio listeners, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered, or you want to go digging through seven plus years worth of episodes going back to 2016, just head over to your favorite podcast app and download and subscribe all of the episodes of Fresh Shop Cinema. Yeah, we'll be back on the radio waves next Saturday, 4 p.m. So until then, consume some beers and films that broaden your horizon. If you liked the show today, you can tip KZFR at kzfr.org. Please do enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently cozying up by the fireplace, sipping on a delicious porter uh, or a farmhouse saison, listening in podcast form, we'll be right back with Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. We are here. This is a part of the show where we go off course, although I'm I'm sticking mostly on course. I'm talking about stuff that I've watched. You are all all over the place by the looks of things. So why don't you start off, Johnny? What's got you hot and or bothered this week? I'll stay on brand and go with the movie that I watched. Oh, I see it there at the end there. Yeah. I don't even have the title. Yeah, it's called Nimona. Nimonia? Nimona. N-I-M-O-N-A. Mamona? Nih. <laughs> Mo, no, I'm just not hearing it. Can you write it down so I can look it up? Nimona, Nimo, and I got it. Yeah, yeah. tell me more. N i m o n a. It was a 2023 uh, action adventure fantasy animated film. Uh, it stars some people that you were very familiar with. Chloe, Chloe Grace Moritz and Riz Ahmed were the two main. I get down on Riz Ahmed. Voice actors in this. It had some of the most amazing animation I've seen in a long time. 
like just really vivid, bright, kind of like blending a couple styles of animation, not as many as Across the Spider Verse, yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, yeah, than less, this one, less than that, okay, yeah, uh, but still really well put together movie. I'll just read you a real quick synopsis, uh, and this is available on Netflix. I just put it on the other night. Wonderful. Uh, I put it on last night because I watched Dune, the first uh, Vanille Villeneuve. Yeah, sure. Uh, in preparation for next week, I had some time, so Smart. I watched Smart. watched Dune. Uh, and it was on Netflix, and this was like the oh, next. Oh, Dune's on Netflix now? Yeah. That's cool. It's leaving on the 29th, so you have just enough time to watch it. Awesome. Uh, but this came up as an Oscar-nominated movie, and it is up for Best Animated Feature this year at the Academy Awards. Oh, that's nice. Good work, dude. Thank you. Solid. Then um, the synopsis reads, A knight is framed for a crime he didn't commit, and the only person who can help him prove his innocence is Nimona, a shape-shifting teen who might also be a monster he's sworn to kill. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And it had such a good soundtrack. There was a lot of like 80s metal and rock and roll. And it was just this visual feast that had a pretty engaging plot. Like I was impressed with uh, how well written it was. It was definitely not geared towards small children. You know, I would say. Large children then. Large children. Like me. Sure. Had very similar vibes to Onward. You love Onward. Love Onward. Yeah, fantasy adventure. Yeah. Good, you know, duo of misfits on the run, backs against the wall, worlds yeah. against them, that yeah. type of thing. Love that. And yeah, Rizm Ahmed was great. Uh, really liked it. So you should watch it. Out of 10 for you? Out of 10, it was like an 8-1, eight, 8-2. Eight, nice. Yeah. D- did you put that in your letterbox? I haven't yet. I'm going Don't to. forget. I will. Not great. Um, okay. Speaking of, um, I guess, I mean, that's a pretty current movie, but I want to tie in a film as well, um, which is Snowpiercer, which came out in 2013. It's directed by Bong Joon-ho. And I revisited this for the first time in a few years. I It's it's a, it's a, I don't know, it's like one of my favorite movies of all time, but I really, really dig this movie. It stars Chris Evans, mostly, a, and a, a smattering of other folks are in this, Ed Harris, Tilda Swinton. Um, who else? Let's see. John Hurt shows up. Jamie Bell shows up. Octavia Spencer's in it. Uh, Song Kang Ho, who's in a lot of Bong Joon Ho films. Snowpiercer was dope. Snowpiercer is fantastic. It was later turned into a series on TNT. On TNT was it? It wasn't FX. No. All right. Um, with uh, with David Diggs, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I never started that. Me neither. The, okay. The concept for Snowpiercer is that um, in an effort to cool down the earth from human global warming, the government puts out like this big, what I don't know, like a, ga- like a chemical thing that goes way too far. It freezes out the earth. And the only people left are people on this b- bullet train that never stops. And our main characters live in the caboose. And it's essentially <laughs> – and they don't call it the caboose in the movie. They call it the tail. Right. Um, but I think – would have added some charm. Like we're in the caboose in the caboose. <laughs> um, whatever the whole train sort of a hierarchy of, of society and they work their way to the front. That's their goal is to like overturn. Um, it's a big metaphor for society and, and, and the way people are treated and the way we treat each other. Really great movie holds up really well. It's also leaving Netflix. I want to say in a couple days. So actually by the time you hear this, it's probably gone. So mm. fuck you. You missed it. <laughs> you missed, but it. you can still rent it. So watch Snowpiercer if you haven't, I think it's one of Bong Joon-ho's um, really, really great ones. Uh, what else you got? I had a busy week. Uh, worked and then Thursday went to Eureka to pick up the new company car for the new job and then drove back Friday morning. So quick little turnaround on the yeah. you know, five-hour jaunt to the yeah. ocean. Uh, and then Saturday was rad. Went to the Girl Scout cookie event at the Chico Cat Coalition. It was their open shelter hours. So you can go socialize cats, some of whom are feral. 
who are like needing to be socialized, some of whom are up for adoption that just are great. Uh, they're all great. Um, they're just different levels of great. I'm sorry. Have you met Rob's cat yet? No. Oh, we'll, we'll you, make that happen. We gotta you, you'll it. love it. It's a great cat. His name's Dusty. I, think you I can't really wait. Love it. You can't going. wait. Uh, and, and if you needed any more reason for me to go pet cats, the Girl Scouts were there selling cookies. I heard this awful thing, which it was like one of those TikTok videos where it's like, list all your unethical life hacks. And the guy said, I assume it was a guy. It seems like a dude thing to do. Like, I don't know. It's easy to steal Girl Scout cookies. Like Girl Scouts are very young, have terrible eyes for spotting counterfeit money. You can buy it and then resell those. <laughs> I was just like, you horrible piece of trash. I saw that on TikTok too. Then the other one, like the next one was like, your apartment complex washing and drying machine are probably available on eBay. Get a copy of the key. Just do laundry for free. And I was like, that's sticking it to demand. Right. That's that's the move. I like that one. What Girl Scout cookies did you get? Uh, so we got the S'mores one, which is a newer version. That's a newer newer cookie. All right. I can imagine. Yeah. Crunchy, it's, soft, it's, squishy, uh, cream, creamy. Cream-filled, mm. like an Oreo situation, but okay. very rectangular. Um, Ugh. Filled with no, – It's fine. <laughs> I draw the line at the rectangle. Right, right. Yeah, filled with like a marshmallow with the, and chocolate mixture. And like, then, a, like a spongy marshmallow sort of thing or like, like, like more it, of a creamy kind of – I would of... say halfway between spongy and frosting. Yeah, okay. It was very good. That. Very good. And then they had actually sold out – of thin mints. Well, that's um, tragic. Yeah, and I'm so sorry for your loss in that sense. I have to track down some. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure. Do people like what the hell's going on here? <laughs> okay, we're fine. Everything's fine. Okay, we're, we're back. Good. Um, thin mints. Yeah, I hope you find some. Me too. I'm a Samoa, some Samosa guy. Which one is that? which one is the humans that come from like Hawaii? Samoa. Samoas. Samoans. Samoans. What is what is um what is the cookie? Samoas. And what is the Indian food that's like wrapped as a triangle? Or I think it's Indian food. Those are samosas. Samosas. Yep. Okay. Obviously, that's why that was confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I like a I like a nice tag along. Is that one of the cookies? Yeah. I don't even ever had a tag along. Oh, you had to have it's uh, like peanut butter filling covered in chocolate. It's not my jam. Oof. No. You don't like Reese's? I like Reese's. Okay. Like I'm not. Mm, you know. Yeah. Not, I could tell by that reaction. Yeah, that's fine. Like. Are you a, are you, are you are you a, are you a pieces guy? Or are you a cup guy? I like the cup. Are you? Oh, okay. I thought you were for sure you're gonna say pieces. No, right. I like the no, cup. The cup's good, and I like the fast break with the pretzel. Is it like a protein bar or something? No, it's just they tried to label it as that, but it's just got like a pretzel in it, so it's a little saltier too. I don't like that. Have you seen the wild stuff they're doing with the big cups? There's one with with no. um, potato no. chips in it. That's disgusting. Yeah, that's awful. So, so gross. This is America. So fat. Okay. Well, I'm glad you had a nice time. Yeah. Um, I I also had a nice time. I tell you what, I rewatched Argyle in the theaters. Which, My God. <laughs> which I, look, I said last week on the show, I liked Argyle. I think I gave it like a seven out of 10. I didn't like it enough to go see it again by myself. So my lady wanted to go see, we wanted to get out of the house and just go see a movie. And it was like, you know, there were, you know what's out now. Not much. Some options, but like, she would have been wanting to see Argyle because it's like a fun date night kind of movie. Mm-hmm. So I saw it again. It is both better and worse on a rewatch. It's way more predictable, but the stuff that works works extra, and the stuff that doesn't work works less. Fair enough. Still a fine movie. Like, okay. going to be totally forgettable, but a very much like if it's on a streaming service and it starts playing automatically, you'll probably leave it on. For me, at least. <laughs> All right. Anyways. That's wild. I yeah. can't believe you went to see that again. Do you have anything else? Nah. Okay, I got it. one more thing. Okay. There is a show 
that oh, excuse you. Oh, my God. There's a show that is on Netflix, and it came out um, in the year of 2000, of course, 22. That was me stalling because I didn't know the date. Mm -hmm. And it's a show called The Tourist. There's two seasons of it. And I believe season two just came out because it showed up at the top of my Netflix queue. And it stars um, Jamie Dornan, who we know from um, Belfast. Mm. Uh, but most people probably know from Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. After never, which- Never heard of it. Yeah. After which he's done like some real acting stuff. But he, <laughs> the, sh the shtick is th this dude who doesn't know his own name. That's Jamie Dornan. He wakes up in the Australian outback after getting in a car accident. We see the car accident. He's hit by a semi-truck, seemingly intentionally. Um, can't remember who he is, uh, where he doth hail from, that sort of thing. Why he is here, doesn't know anything. And he's being chased by people as he's trying to put together the mystery of his life. It's a bit like Memento, but people speak with Australian accents, and it's told fairly linearly. So not really like Memento. There's amnesia. There's the amnesia. only similarity. Sure. Um, is it good? Cause I've thought about putting that on a couple times. I like it. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm five episodes in, okay. um, I really appreciate the way they're utilizing side characters and pushing the development of those characters. Um, it's shot in what you could imagine like a 13 year old's vision of like a cinematic look would be like almost like a Zack Snyder level of self non-control mm. where everything's just like, like super shallow depth of field. Um, it's clearly very, very derivative visually of like no country, for, hmm, no country for old men, mm -hmm. um, except instead of like the desert, it's the Australian outback, which is makes for a nice, um, change of scenery kind of, okay. um, but like color wise, it's very, it's like very Western feeling and very like man on the run, nowhere to turn to, except, you know, the, except the places he does turn, the places he turns are the, <laughs> that's where he goes. He turns exactly where he turns Anyways. To. Yeah. It's, it's mostly directed by Chris Sweeney. Um, I check it out. Okay. I, I'm going to keep watching it. It's, it's made, I put it on because I needed something to fold laundry to. Mm. And then I didn't get enough laundry done because I started watching it. So that's I don't know. not nothing. Yeah. That means whatever it means. All right. Um, I've been dabbling with Tokyo vice on HBO max. I don't know. I read some really is. good read some really good things about it and uh, Is it like Miami Vice but in Tokyo? Um no. It's, what is Miami Vice? Was it a cop drama with yeah, Don yeah. Johnson? Right. Set right. in Miami. Sure. Uh and then this is uh, Tokyo Vice. It's about a an aspiring crime reporter for the biggest newspaper in Tokyo mm -hmm. uh, and it's all about him trying to learn about the Yakuza and how Tokyo and the criminal underworld works. It's been really good, but cool. I'm four episodes in, so I'm not super sold on it yet. It's got like yeah, okay. one or two more to really grab me. Man, else. that's a lot. That's too many. Uh, four. If you're not in by four, get out. Yeah. You know, I still haven't even started Night Country, which I forgot about actually until now. So I can do that too. Okay. Into it. Are you still about that show? Say, tell me, I don't care. Tell me. They really fucked it up with the last episode, like bad. Mm. Okay, how? Tell me a little bit. They pushed everything off to be resolved until the very last episode, right? Lots of cliffhangers. Yeah. And what they try and tell you actually happened requires so much suspension of disbelief mm. and all logic and human behavior that it, it just it jumped the shark and went just silly. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I haven't heard one good thing about the end of that show, which sucked because, like, the leading up to it, it was great. There were some plot holes that was, you know, I was skeptical, but the last episode did not, it was not it. 
let me offer you this. You're familiar with a little indie band called The Beatles? Mm-hmm. The Beatles, who, if you don't know, broke up pretty famously. They made some great music before their final album, before they broke up. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair to discredit every good album they made because they screwed up the ending of their band. Mm-hmm. I have similar feelings about True Detective. I enjoy watching, for example, season one. Mm-hmm. I don't even care how it ends. That show is so well made that I am there to enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. It's not like Splash Mountain at Disneyland. Have you been to Splash Mountain at Disneyland? No. Yeah. It's a ride. It's very boring until the very end where you go down and you splash. I also it's hate like a, the Beatles. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I get the splash idea. Splash Mountain's all about, you just, it's so boring. And you finally get there and you're like, ah, and you splash. Yeah. It, splash Mountain doesn't work. It's, it'd just be called Mountain. And who wants that? Yeah. The Beatles work. Because you can enjoy that, or you can enjoy True Detective Season 1. You can, if you put on True Detective Season 1, any episode, anytime, I will watch it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the ending. I don't need it to complete. Yeah. It's great acting. It's great mm-hmm. storytelling, visually. So maybe I can take that positivity and apply it to most of Season 4. I, that was a safe bet. Five, yeah, 4. 4. Because I was very into it, you know, up until the last episode. And I think when you're mm-hmm. only dealing with a six-episode season, you don't have a lot of time to to work with. So mm-hmm. you almost have to judge it as a whole. Sure. But, you know, we were watching it appointment-based, so it was – Yeah. It was an experience. Take a week. Yeah. Watch it. I will rewatch the whole thing in like one day. Yeah, okay. And see if I feel differently. Sure. But the ending was absurd, and I think you should watch it so we can talk about it. I will check it out. I will probably get through this season of The Tourist, and then maybe I'll kind of get out. Maybe cool. not. I make no guarantees. Yeah. Got anything else this week? No, I'm excited to watch Dune 2. I am too. Bigger and sandier. Um, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, everybody on Patreon. The Handlebar's got a sweet happy hour. Check it out if you like beer or good food or good people. If you don't like that shit, don't check out the Handlebar. You'll be really bummed out because it's all those things. Um, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi. You guys drink some tasty beers, watch some movies that may or may not be uplifting but are also worthwhile. Good films. Good films. Uh, Most importantly, be good to each other. See you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.